Hi, folks, and thanks for listening to this Tortoiseshek podcast. This is the conversation we had with economist with Neary, Kieran Nugent. Listeners, be well aware, Kieran has contributed in great detail and many times to this podcast over the last year, and we've been delighted to have him. This is no different. If you are listening and you like what we do, please join us. Patreon.com forward slash Tortoiseshek. Click the link while you're listening to the podcast and see if you can find the level that you're happy to support and keep this show on the road. We want to thank everybody who's contributed over 2022. We know it's been a difficult year. It's been a difficult year for everybody. The Tortoise Shack itself has had uh, many a knockback, but we keep on going. And the only way we keep on going is with your support. So thank you for everybody who's contributed and especially anybody who has chipped in and thrown us a couple of euro. We appreciate every single cent. Uh, just to let you know what's happening over the next few days. We have some brilliant podcasts. Martin sat down with his dad. So Pop was on and they talked about uh, city farmers and uh, Drumcondra back in uh, about when Martin was a, a chiseler in the 1912s. But um, nonetheless, it's a brilliant listen and that's coming out shortly. My conversation with uh, with uh, European gold medalist David Gillick is out now on the Patreon feed and it's getting great feedback. As, as to was the latest episode of Musical and a new Built Different there are several other conversations coming, as well as our end-of-year review with the usual crew from the Tortoise Shack Sunday shows, uh, all contributing. Thanks to everybody who sent in the voice notes, and we will be including as many of them as we can in our end-of-year shows over the next couple of weeks. Maybe in 2023, give yourself the gift of not having to listen to these, please. Get the Patreon feed. You don't have to listen to them. We don't insert them in there. Patreon.com forward slash Tortoise Shack. I won't delay any further. Enjoy the podcast. Hello and welcome to the trailer. I mean, sorry. Hello and welcome to the Echo Chamber podcast. My name is Tony Groves, and uh, just there's two faces smiling at me now. And, yeah, because uh, you were going to call us the trailer park boys, Tony. That's why. Come on, be be honest about it. <laughs> two foot, two foot of tackle there, Martin. Two foot of tackle. Um, listen, folks. I uh, just want to do a little bit. The first episode of Musclet, and I've butchered that. Obviously, is out. It means awakening, and it's a really going. It's going to be a fascinating series. Uh, Rosie and Eve have done a lot of work talking to academics and and uh people experts in different areas too often academic tomes sit on a shelf and or their or their cost of bloody fortune to read uh, and they're going to talk to some of these people and make that accessible through the series uh episode one is out now get it on whatever spotify apple whatever you're using yourself um but look i just think it's great that we have this and, and that the tortoise shack continues to try put out things that maybe aren't different every every gobshite can have and no offense to people who do uh let's set up a, a movie review thing but everybody can have a movie review thing or or a world cup podcast but this is a little bit different anyway we are back talking to our good friend economist at neary kieran nugent kieran how are you keeping good now thanks tony you you must you must understand that when I say too much academia academic work sits behind a paywall or sits somewhere in a t- and doesn't get read and no one really kind of you know, gets the benefit of it so too often. Yeah, um, I mean, t- like in, in general, in terms of publishing yeah, stuff just like in that, general, it's a total yeah. scam. I, I was just on the Minute Library website and couldn't even get OECD reports, who I, I'm pretty sure we fund. And, you know, like everything's accessible through there except for that. So you're talking like a couple of hundred euro for a, mm. for a recent report on OECD. The whole thing's a scam anyway, like internationally, I think. And, uh, you know, I get the odd email from somebody who goes, hey, we want to put the, your your report in a journal. And I'm thinking to myself, well, it doesn't really belong in a journal. But all right, OK. And then, you know, two two or three messages later, it's like, and uh, just wire us 1,200 euro 
or whatever. Isn't it, isn't it funny that we, we thought Please the go. internet was going to give us uh, more accessibility to information and actually everything's gone paywalled or everything's behind some sort of barrier? I don't know. I just like I just find honestly, check out the series. I think it's a really good idea. I think it's going to go to places people weren't expecting around social policy, around sexuality, around a lot of these things that people have taught and worked on and researched and done all the background work on and then gone through the trouble of putting these papers together and reports together only for them to sit there. So we're going to hopefully bring some of them out into the light and expose them. I think it's a really good idea, a really good project. And best look to the two ladies. Anyway. The reason we're back talking to Kieran is he's kindly decided to join us. And Kieran, I'm going to frame this by basically going through some of the some of the quick things that we can kind of say straight off the bat. Forty five percent of one parent families are going without essentials. Forty two percent of people with disabilities are going out without essentials. Nearly 20 percent of people are saying I, I can't turn on the heating and one in four single parents are in that boat already. Now, we've been talking about the um, survey on income and living conditions for a number of years on this. And, you know, you've been brilliantly covering it in both your public facing role and in, in NERI. Can you give me a sense of your overall opinion on what's come out of the, of the report so far? Okay, so it's the it's the survey on income and living conditions, but they've left off some of the income stuff to, to the second half of the release, which would be in, in January. So we basically see, you know, the cost of living um, really start to bite. The, the survey was done in the first half of the year, and it's relative to the first half of 2021. It's very similar, actually, in numbers uh, to the jump in 2019, just before COVID, where we had strong, you know, wage growth, strong employment growth, um, strong GDP growth, and we still saw this uptick in the share of families of about, you know, somewhere in the region of 150,000 increase in, in 2019. Now, the estimate this year is about the same. It's about 150,000 extra people uh, unable. Now, this is just the basics, by the way, on a list of 11. I, I kind of bang on a lot about one of the, another very important deprivation indicator, which is in, in, in those figures, which is the amount of uh, young adults living at home who are mm. deprived of independent living. So actually... When we're not counting that, we're we're probably and because they're stuck at home, the, the the list of things is like shoes and jackets and stuff like that. It probably in in a kind of double way um plays down their 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 lived experience, to be honest, because you know you can afford the shoes but you can't yeah. afford the rent kind of thing. It's anyway. Can I look just before can we just really quickly? I should have apologies, listeners. I should have probably explained that. So what the survey and income and living condition sort of measures, you know, how, how did you go without heating? Can you afford a morning or afternoon out in the last fortnight? Two two good pairs of shoes. You know, um can you have friends and family over? Can you have you, you skipping on trying to buy presents for people? Winter coat is another one. Yeah, yeah, yeah. All of all Things that, but it was actually, and it is timely because it, Martin, we had the conversation um, recently with um, Porig uh, and the, the young school teacher. And I say young relative to us, he's much younger, but uh, he was talking about saying, Oh, I'm lucky enough, and then I have to borrow off my parents. Is that's that's what we're talking about here. People yeah. are are exposed like, like that. Like this, this affects me deeply, Kieran. I, I, I tick boxes. I'm a lone parent. I'm a person with a yeah. disability. I'm a parent who hasn't been able to buy a, a new coat in 10 years. Yeah. I have a, a pair of boots that I got for Christmas last year. That's my footwear. Yeah. Uh, yes, I won't turn on my heating. 
and I won't. I have an open fireplace and I'm using that. So I am at the acute end of all of this. Yeah. So it's very, very personal. Yeah. And it's, it's, it's uh, hard to say anything like that, Martin, as well. And the, the thing is, as well, um, you know, we're not getting many voices on on radio from from that perspective. You know, we're talking about inflation, and we're talking usually it's an employer who's who's having a, a terrible gas bill or whatever. So I think there's a a whole, you know, seventeen percent. I, I haven't turned on my gas uh, all summer. Um, I was very sick, as Tony knows, so I had to use a lot of hot water, which I was using for pain relief to get into a shower because I was in a lot of pain. Yeah, yeah. So my electricity bill was 270 something quid, which is twice what my electricity bill would be. So that was only just paid off with the, the money that we got free. So I still have a bill outstanding. Yes. So I've been, you know, it, for some people, this cost of living crisis is hitting them now. This cost of living crisis has been with me for years. Yeah, well, obviously now um, this has been an issue that predates inflation. Inflation is just, and it's it's obviously we've got kind of countervailing things happening here with the massive employment growth, which has kind of surprised everyone, and it's leveled off a little bit, but it's still pretty strong. And so you've got this, um, you got this scenario where you've never had more people. I work in the state. Never had more people working age. I work in the state, you know, as a rate, as an employment rate. Um, you know, massive uptick in really high end jobs in 2011, 2012. And somehow still we're, you know, falling down on the deprivation indicators on the of people able to afford the basic cost of living. So we've got set, it's 17.8%. What's that like? Just over one in six. Uh, people in the country, and that's you know, as you said, more people with disabilities, more children, um, more women, more young people. But, 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 um, Karen, the, the cognitive dissonance of the Tonish yesterday tweeting about how we've avoided a recession and we were an outlier. And look at us, the even the OECD is saying next year we're going to be the best um economy in the but but and it's important. I'm glad you actually brought it back to 2019 because people forget, and a lot of economists would like us to forget. And I say economists, I'm being unfair. I'm talking about economic commentators um, would like us to forget that in 2019, when we were the fastest growing economy in the OECD, and we had the you know we were we had more people getting jobs than than we'd had, and we'd all of these things happening. Inequality had grown, um, and now we're seeing. I've I've looked at it, and, and thanks to the work that you've done. Like it's a it's an uplift in workers of working poor is now up sixty percent two hundred eighty eight thousand people are are in a year yeah on on that again I'm not talking about the people stuck at home again not including yeah. those now there's yeah. probably an overlap there a little bit so it's not going to be all of them but um yeah it's 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 absolutely um unsustainable he's I, I honestly i think leo varagher is probably getting bad information by reading you know by, by probably be you know seeing this debate whether or not we're actually more unequal or whether these people are actually in poverty or how you measure poverty and all that it's an ongoing debate and it's you know the dominant kind of um the dominant messaging is as far as i can see anyway is you know Sure up young people you're you're spoiled or, or whatever you know do, do you not think here on that the it, it when you take away all the words take away everything else and you look at the facts the situation we're in you raise your hands you say this is where we are and you look at it cold hard 
objectively that the very best thing that could happen for this government in the next two years is mass emigration of young people. That's the very best thing could happen for this government, not for this country, yeah. for this government. Yeah, you wonder, you, you know, the valve of, as they call it, the valve of emigration, and you wonder how much it, it is, it actually concerns um, policymakers, whether, you know, I'm not saying it's a, it's a policy goal, but whether it's, you know, a big concern, I'm not so sure. I think sure. it's built but, into but the system, it, it, No, it's, it is, it's, it's, I'm going to argue the point that it's it's between the people who have land or be it housing or land and the people who don't and that and and that comes across in this report again Karen because renters up yeah yeah there um, you go so it's more and again they group they they usually sometimes they have three and I'm sure in January they'll have the three groups so they actually separate you know people who are renting at below market prices which is usually a social housing group mm. and then renting at markets but they've them together in a group there and it's about 35% and it's up again and again in this in this um ma- you know very strong employment growth uh time of employment growth time of every every other type of growth now i'm sure and as we saw in the in the last round of wage data we'll have another quarterly round of wage data next week and we'll see i know you expect it to be the same but we lo- we we all got poorer all, every on average workers got poorer by about five percent last over the year to the last quarter of that we have data and i i expect there to be another knock now but if uh, you're, this year but if you're a a, a more elderly voter over 55 sitting in a house that is appreciated fairly considerably in value um you feel wealthy yeah you 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 feel there's money in your pocket um and it's all based on equity it's all based on what's in your home yeah. they're quite comfortable Kieran, and they're the they're that's, the people but, who the, but, 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 Mar- but martin that's the one in seven that say they're okay with housing costs in this report yeah that's who that is um in in many ways wasn't it there was another irish times one i think a couple of weeks back that you know had a figure of about 30 percent of people who were affected by the housing crisis so you know directly i i would say indirectly with parents kind of you know with adult children and stuff like that that if that might be um you know that number might be higher so if it's a minority like that now obviously that number as far as i can tell is going to just keep getting bigger every year and it becomes and it, it that's reflected in the you know voting intentions the service on that that's kind right. of stuff and everything like that so that's i i see no reason why that's gonna you know, not not going to continue and to get worse and, and you know, eventually you have a critical mass. And Have they you know, forgotten hope. the old adage that it's the economy stupid? And for the majority of people in this country, it's hurting them in their pockets right now. And yeah, really I, I can't I can't believe how how much how easily you know there's a there's a protest tomorrow, there's there's a cost of living protest tomorrow and stuff like that, but it's still um you know, a couple of years ago, we were talking. There was a, there was a study that that came out that said, um, 
you know, and I'm not making a, I'm not making an argument on this either way. But say, you know, unification of the island would cost fifteen to twenty percent in in the standard of living or or whatever of people in the republic. And you're like, we're just after taking that over the last year, and nobody seems, you know, I, I nobody that. seems. I, I, was I, quite, I would have expected people to be more open arms about what's happened over the last year. I was yeah. quite exercised about that that report too. And yeah, I well, remember- it came under a lot of criticism. It was it was very simple, like a lot of ways. It was very simple. But I'm not, as I said, my institute is a 32 county institute. Yeah. It's not for me to to uh, really comment on that stuff other than just on the work that's going on. What do we go back to renters again? 34% yeah. of renters in deprivation up from 29. That's a huge yeah. increase. That's yeah, in huge. one year. Like, yeah. I mean, in, like, in a year where we put on about, you know, eight, whatever it was, I think it's 80,000 jobs. Yes. And like 50, you know, it's 40 or 50,000 high end IT jobs yeah. alone. And we're still going up by 150,000 people in deprivation in a year. And 100, 110,000 of those are workers. Are call, they, their primary uh, economic status is employed. Okay, let me and, throw the argument at you again. That will be thrown at you every time that you, you bring up this inequality of income. This, uh, social transfers, um, yeah, they're working. Yeah. We're told this all they're the time. Just, they're obviously, they're not. They're plasters rather than a surgery on a on an issue that and it, they're plasters that are just going to get infected and and just going to keep getting worse and worse and worse and the more we rely on the on the on cash transfers to address these issues, the worse it's going to be because they, you know in terms of HAP, it's just it's it's just keeping uh, rent high. Family income supplement is an income supplement really for a low wage. Uh, um, sectors like retail and hospitality, which have a do- you know an overly dominant voice in Irish affairs, I think, in the political economy, um, and that you know that that low wage employment is kind of you you know when you the Irish like to think of their welfare system as as charity, yes. and you know you you work for thirty nine yes. hours a week at a minimum wage that's two fifty underneath the living wage, and then the state has to intervene. And then we're told that we, you know, that we're being that we're being charitable to these people. And That's right. Of, and it's who's of, being charitable to whom? Yeah, to, I to, mean, to, there to is people the who work, you know, the people who get out of air. What's what did he the say? People who get up early in the morning. Yeah, thousands. Yeah, it doesn't matter how early in the morning you get out of bed. If you're working minimum wage, you're not going to be able to um, fund the basics. And this is, you know, this is not an economy. This is this this is not, I think, how mo- young people anyway. You, you see the the shift in sands in terms of outlook and even ideology, and you know th- this is getting less sustainable by the year. And it's every every the, every time an eighteen year old stage. is 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 legally allowed vote, and somebody on the other end dies off, you know you're you're forty fifty percent more likely to have a, a left wing voter than you than you were before that. But but Karen, just again, so. Because we keep hearing, you know, oh, we do this great job of, and you've alluded to, we do this great job of going from bottom of income inequality to market income inequality to, but, you know, uh, to mid table on on inequality. When Once we have the social transfers kick in, the report is not going to take into account that, but it also doesn't take into account what, you know, the well-being factors that I know, say, the likes of Nessa Hurrigan is supposed to be trying to implement with, with within this government, within the term of this government. I know it was in the program for government, but well-being indicators would show you time and time again that, that your society is not doing well. But we can only then 
we we must actually start asking the question is why is that the commission the tax commission report still sitting on a on a shelf because you we spoke about this the last time we had you on you yeah. said that it's it's it was cross um the ideological divide economists from different different realms different opinions it was not it didn't have everything near he wanted in it didn't have everything the sri wanted in it you know it had it, and yet there's money there that if we were to do it we could actually then start to actually address those issues and not be dependent upon and it's horrible to say that we are dependent upon um crumbs from the table we could just actually start carving up the carving up the pie a bit better yeah uh, i mean again that report took two years a lot of people hard work uh, a lot of hard work and a lot of difficulty getting a consensus now you know some some economists might have excused themselves from signing some chapters etc but um that's hard, hard to get by and 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 then you know uh torpedoing it before it even and 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 even framing it as a Sinn Féin manifesto, mm-hmm. I don't know what they think. You know, let's electorally no, no, a bad, that was, a bad that was, message. That like was these. really bad by the Tarnished to do. Yeah. He said some of these things are straight on, on so of, many levels, on different yeah. levels. Even I don't want to give him election tips, but like just like if you're saying that this independent cross, you know, cross community, cross ideology, whatever you want to call it. Um, but he's uh, an anti-intellectual. 550-page document is a Sinn Féin document, and you're kind of kind of saying that Sinn Féin have, you know, are a little bit more, if you want to call it common sense and in inverted commas, um, are more have more common sense, um, long-term strategic economic objectives than than you have yourself. Like, you know, but, I, I, I'm not saying that by the way, but you know, but the the, uh, the message is working for a certain portion of the electorate and his message is working for a certain portion of the electorate whether he believes it himself there is an anti-intellectual bent to this government and there just is an anti-intellectual bent it's very ideological where this government is coming from both on the likes of social welfare the likes of housing it's all very ideological when you look at the data the facts such as the report and you look at the long-term vision we are not where we need to be or where where we need to be heading to at all. But we're not getting that told to us through the media. I'm going to bring it back to what Tony said originally. This is not yeah. being told to us. We're not getting this information. Yeah, I think there's another appreciation of the last decade or more. You know, a lot of ways, 2019 still hadn't even recovered from 2007. I don't think it's... Um, you know, I, I I don't think it's entitled for younger generations to expect to be able to go to work and have, uh, you know, a, a a decent roof over their head and you know decent services and decent decent healthcare system, childcare system. If if the if women want to have a, a family, um, that you know affordable. So I I don't know. There's a there's a dominant um you know that's why near you were set up to to kind of uh, shine a light in areas where a lot of other economists or policymakers are not interested in. Um, well, we've or, seen. Sorry, can we've seen yeah. Social Justice Ireland speak out as well about this and the need for core rates to to move. The problem with that is again we go back to the level of we're moving core rates and we're not we're not actually addressing the overall you know the situation again we're we're back to that but it's almost do you remember famously Mel Reynolds must be four and a half five years ago before before he had him on this week he was on the podcast and he said to us that HAP was uh, designed as as um, sorry for the clumsy um, 
the clumsy metaphor, folks. But he said HAP was described was designed as methadone. Um, oh, but it, but it's be, uh, but it's morphine. Sorry, it's morphine to keep the patient alive. But it's become methadone because it's it, the system actually wants it now forever. And he knew that was where we were going. And now HAP has become intrinsic to our actual property market. Our rental system is 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 as you said, prop. It's propping it up to the point where, like again, to go back to the report because we were here to talk about the report is housing costs are up from uh, people's experience that 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 problems there have gone from 25% to 40% in a year, Karen. Yeah. Now that's 10% inflation. I think there's been a, a a very, you know, I don't think we've discussed, even though cost of living, cost of living, it's it's all over the place, obviously. But like, you know, we, we were obsessed with inflation before COVID. You know, mm-hmm. Absolutely. Like that's the whole Eurozone. It's, it's what it's designed around is an inflation target and everything was about inflation. We couldn't have one or two. And then all of a sudden, ah, you know, it's, it's actually, you know, we'll get through. I feel like it's weirdly played down in a way that would have seemed like completely impossible a few years ago to just kind of shrug your shoulders at nine, 10% inflation and then accept, you know, social welfare rates and wages to go up less than that and it, for everybody to be, you know, f- f- fine with this. Um, so yeah, it's, um, what, what, sorry, Tony, I've lost my train of thought. You, what, did, what was no, your opening? Uh, hang on. I just, oh, about AJP. Uh, yeah. Like just, that, just yeah. the fact, just the fact. Housing. Okay. I'm going to give, and that's a, it. One, one more, just one point. Please, on yeah. that. There's more, the, the, the share of people on HAP and employment has been growing every year since we've yes. taken data from it as well. And I've no doubt that that will have continued even into and, this year when we're again, massive employment growth. And and the other thing that's really important to say on this is I, we, again, we had the conversation with Mel, the figures that the, the state are building in terms of uh, new social housing is actually deplorable. I mean, over, over a five year period, Dublin city council has less units now than it had in 2017. And did you say zero in the last year? Zero like in the last six, six months. The, yeah. the first six months of this year, zero. But to have less units over a five-year period. And then for the story to be that the, the shock is saying we're going to adjust the bans to let more people eligible for social housing. Yeah, did you see that as well? That's another pet peeve of mine. This, the, is, I, I, this is why I want to get to it. Yeah, the, the, so I went from, for a single adult... It went from thirty five thousand to forty thousand is the threshold at which you're allowed to get or at least apply for social housing, and I just you know that's a tacit acknowledgement that forty thousand euro is not enough for you to buy your own house, right? Mm-hmm. Or and you know some might consider that an indicator of poverty, right? Or at least you know not not exactly not not inadequacy anyway in wages, let's call it or in income, and then the way we discuss. You know, in economic circles, the way we discuss poverty, that threshold is actually like fifteen or sixteen thousand euros, half of that. And we talk about that line of fifteen or sixteen thousand euro. If you're above it, you're not at risk of poverty. If you're below it, you're in poverty. And there's just this whole mismatch. And then you're looking at estimates for, um, well, you know, how we are we measuring poverty? Is that seventeen percent of deprivation? Of, of households and deprivation, you know, superior to the kind of I think it's around twelve percent for the for the at risk of poverty um, threshold. But we we we've you know we've we've just got a big mismatch. We've got conflicting kind of 
um, you know, a conflicting reality to the way we we discuss and analyze, but, but, but at Kieran, least from a, a, the economics can, can, profession. Can, I, point can of I go back to that again and say, so now we go, whoop de doo you're on 40,000, you were on 35, you're now eligible for social housing, you won't get a social house, you you will actually end up with maybe a HAP um, payment that, that, can, yeah. that can, so it's a... <laughs> It's an admission of failure. And yet, again, to, to Martin's point, they, they, they go out in the, the media and they say, Taoiseach says this. And yeah. we're all supposed to actually go, well, well done. No, no, not well done. We need yeah. we need affordable housing for a range of incomes that, that go that's available to all. Um, can I, again, I want to, because you know, Seamus Coffey's going to look at this and sorry to pick on you, Seamus, but I know you listen. Seamus is going <laughs> to, is going to, is going to, is going to look at this and he's going to say, there they are again. There's that mad fella Groves and, and Kieran Nugent who he loves to spar with on, on, on social media. And he's going to say, but in, the, in, in relative terms, inequality has been falling for over a decade, Kieran. Yeah. I mean, look, I mean, we, we've, we've, we've covered some of this before, but, um, you know, income inequality is not inequality. Um, you know, market income there's, within income inequality, there's about four other different, you know, indicators. There's market, there's net, there's gross, then they, they equivalize it as well. So there's a bunch of indicators within that. Then to measure those, there's a bunch of ways to measure those different indicators. And there just happens to be one indicator, or maybe there's a handful of indicators that support that, um, that thesis and people, some people want to jump on that, you know, other people like myself don't. Well, I want to look at the other stuff and all the other indicators that say something different or at least kind of paint a more nuanced picture, which, you know, like, you know, I look at some of this stuff and I go, OK, so well, I just I've imagined the last 10 years. <laughs> like That's the at risk of poverty indicator. That's one of the ones I go on about a lot. It didn't. It didn't increase during the financial crisis. It says poverty didn't increase during the financial crisis, and you're kind of like people jump on this stuff. They present it. They talk about it ad nauseum. Then they shorthand it to poverty over or inequality, overarching inequality or overarching poverty, and they use these indicators to support a thesis that you know. I don't know suits them. Well, well the world, whatever. the world, the World Bank indicator tells us that we've never ha- had it better. You know. <laughs> so yeah, the HDMI, and they and they know as well. I was at the I was at the National Economic Dialogue there in summer, where everybody kind of gets together and they're all sitting around a big table, and that HDI index must have been must have been mentioned three or four times at a table with the Taoiseach and the Tonish, and you're you're kind of like. Is now is nobody going to point out the fact that our GDP is almost now it's almost twice a GMP now, which is, there's no other country in the world that that applies. Yeah, even Luxembourg or anything like that. <laughs> even Luxembourg would be embarrassed about it. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> exactly. So and it went up twenty six percent in one year. So there's still even go, though go, we go. went and and Philip Lane went about designing a an indicator of Irish economic activity that's more suitable to the unique, you know, uh, the unique. Um, <laughs> yeah, the Irish economy. We still don't <laughs> report that. We still report GDP all the time. We still talk about GDP all the time. The, the, the and we hardly the, talk the, about modified GNI. How much is it costing us? To have, we have to pay more money into the EU because ah, of this ridiculous GDP. Martin, Martin, it's a hard, that's really like, I mean, we got to also say the reason that they're giving you the 200 quid credit on your thing is because they've got these bumper taxes that that uh, we 
are let's like oh I, I know that we are reaping from other parts of the yeah, world Tony. yeah so, so like there's no question like we are but the whole idea but the biggest fallacy that's been exposed and um and Karen, i'm not going to ask you to comment on this because it's unfair but the biggest fallacies that's been exposed with the tech sector meltdown is is that well if we keep playing sweet with them if we give them their data centers we do this if we stand up to the thing they're going to keep the jobs here they're going to keep the jobs here folks don't worry about it and that that entire fallacy and no one is saying it out loud it's been t- it's been shown it reminds me of a, a simpsons joke actually i love my simpsons quote um <laughs> do you remember in when when homer wanted to re go back to his roots in music and wanted to get funky and all and he went into a music shop i guys you know he, he was looking for something he's like you know it was, it was invented by that guy from apple computers and the guy goes what computers and it it's just sh- kind of shows you how you know that you know the tech bubble of the early 2000s that this technology one you know one year apple is the most uh successful company in in the history of the world and then it it, it could be not like a couple of years later, oh listen we, all, comes we up with a new blueberry or something like that i always we, we, think we, of extra vision just look at extra vision whoever yeah, all this stuff is extremely yeah. precarious oh. And you know this. It, the technology is shifting so quickly that we should have a plan B. That that's it. We should have a a, a, a better plan A. Like plan A should involve. I, I'm not. Plan A should involve obviously keeping those jobs here. They're, they're they're good jobs and all that kind of stuff. But it should be underpinned by a if, bit more of a sustainable, just, um, just safe, kind of safe wrap or, or get kind of wrap all this up. What you were saying about at these meetings where they're presenting all these facts and their findings. And I go back to what Constantine told us a couple of months ago in that, you know, you have to actually feel the situation. You have to stand on the corner of the street. You, you, you know, you can't just look at graphs and figures. It's not going to give you the sense of what's going on. And for any of those who are telling the Taoiseach or the Taunashta that we're doing really well at the moment, I absolutely challenge them to try and make ends meet on a disability pension. I utterly challenge them to do it. I don't know how I don't do it. It's simply I don't make ends meet. And I'm a lone parent. And and my you know, I've one daughter who's grown up, but she's still living at home with me. You know, I'm I'm taking all of these bucks and I absolutely challenge anybody in government, anybody to do it. It is an impossibility to do. It is simply impossible to do. I reckon I mean, it's more important to be in a, 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 you know, like the elderly or whatever, a, a voting block. You know, that's what, you know, during austerity and everything, the, the people who um, they came for, if, if you, yeah. you know, that's pretty emotive language. Me, I just use that. Sorry, look, but, you know, we're all there. people who, who were, couldn't defend themselves. Young people. Um, Lone parents have been gone at since the the inception of the state, and they have never, ever stopped. And I always think lone parents and those with a disability are always the two worst affected groups in any any No, Well, travelers, people with disabilities, lone parents, um, and we see it now what's happening in in terms of, you know, people who are being chewed up and spat out by our our refugee immigration system. But I do think, Martin, you are right. And you know what? And it's not easy for you to to say that out loud. And I do appreciate it. No, no, I don't. I don't like being I don't you know i am more than two-dimensional there is more to me than being having a disability or being a lone parent and i think that's the problem they just see them as two-dimensional you are a low parent you are a disability you are not the full human being 
the the, the one thing I will say, Karen, that that I did notice, and, and maybe you can correct me if I'm wrong, but one of the arguments we hear all the time is the real problem is is the amount of jobless households. Um, the the report seems to indicate that obviously that's not the problem as far as I could my reading of no, it. It's, it's never been a problem. It was a problem during the financial crisis. A little bit it was the only time when we actually had. Of, you know, over EU average levels of jobless households. And it, it's not a, it, for me, it's not a convincing argument. That's what they, you know, we have exceptionally high levels of market income inequality. And they often, you know, use this to explain that, but it's not unique in an Irish context. Now we have what is called higher, uh, relatively high levels of low intensity uh household low intensity work households right so they're working a little bit and it's somewhere in the region the last time it was somewhere in the region at 12 percent. with the employment growth we've had now i i, I would suspect that that's down significantly anyway the, it, the and when you when you kind of dig in even then you know i you know some people some people don't like me saying this but i i often attribute this to kind of get what i was saying earlier on about blaming people who can't defend themselves on on economic outcomes i mean four hundred thousand people between 2008 and 2012 just didn't just get lazy and, and that kind of stuff you know we, that's a structural issue it's a demand issue and the economy can only uh create so many jobs a year for a while so it takes a while for that to bounce back and we've seen every time every year it gets bigger and bigger and the employment rate goes uh up and up and people will take the jobs when they're the the, the eu never got back to its uh pre-global financial crisis as a whole in terms of employment numbers before we only got we like in terms of the rate we only got back to it in 2018 2019 as well like you know which is which is so so let's just let can i just finish no no i want to want to make one point on that it means we went from a certain level of people at work it took us a decade to get back there and yet in that decade Overall, inequality, wealth inequality grew at a level that was unseen in a decade. It's, oh, in sorry, yeah. in a century, in a century. So yeah. go ahead, Karen. Well, I just, I just wanted to talk about just the, what I was talking about—the low work intensity households—and when you dig into it, what I actually see in Ireland is we actually have high levels of older, highly educated uh, people in low work intensity households. So it might actually be a, fre- a, a reflection of their relative wealth, mm-hmm. right? And not only that, this uh, Martin again, this bit we have high rates of the disabled who are in um, in low work intensity households. So that's a, a welfare state issue. It's also an issue around women, uh, around um, around family formation age. No matter the the level of education, we're, we're high in in European terms. So there's a bunch of reasons why. You know, our market income inequality is not, you know, is not due to definitely not due to like us having some, you know, more lazy people or, or some shit, excuse me, some stuff like that. Um, can I, and, and sorry, Tony, what did you, what did you say there again? Um, no, I just want to make the point at the end that, that it's down to, okay, it's not uh, that it, it's, the taken, way, yeah. it's taken that long for people to recover. I want to make one last point, and Martin, I know we need to, we need to finish up, but one last point is really important is to is actually say that the biggest fear here is Kieran has referred to the kind of trouble with um, employment growth and how it started to taper off. 
we know within the Fed that they've actually expressed it at meetings in different in different states in the in the, in the US that they want to so they want to ingro- they want to increase the you know, unemployment rate from you know three four percent up to six, even though they know that that's not going to fix inflation they know it and yeah. they, and you know they're calling they're, they're calling this the creative destruction we know that the Bank of England is running headlong into their uh, recessionary pressures that's where they're going. And the ECB are just behind them, so we are looking at that. And and we and dis, despite what you hear, and I don't want to be a, a doomsayer, or, or but despite what you hear, we are not immune from this here, and we cannot we cannot influence what the ECB are about to do, and and they are going to continue that cycle. You know, they've they've. So yeah, it it doesn't look great in terms of that that um when when you actually hear actively people actively sp- speaking about creative destruction, because what that means is. Business is going to the wall, you know. Um, on purpose. It's not even that we're immune to it. We're uniquely, you know, open to it. We're a small open economy, and we, well, you know, the things that affect us are often out of our control, and more so for us than other countries. We import a lot of what we consume. We, you know, we, we're tied in in ways. We, we, we're tied into the US and the UK and how well they're doing. And that, that affects us in a way that we can't control. Um, so, you know, I mean, I've been doom saying for the last two and a half years and it has, it's not, you know, as deprivation obviously has gone up, cost of living is biting, but it's still very surprising on the other end. Some of those indicators have continued, but I, I, I'm still expecting, um, you know, some kind of, some kind of downturn how 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 uh how hard that's going to be is is a is a matter we, we'll see i suppose just to wrap up kieran if i may just i'll make one last point and, and it, i'm going to bring it back to charity and i'm just going to say it really bothers me and it really really bothers me that my life my existence my quality of life is dependent on people who see my life or are letting me live as charity. And these people think nothing of spending what I'd get in a month on a pair of hand-stitched Italian leather boots. Now, I'm moralizing back. They're wrong. They're wrong. Those people are wrong. And they shouldn't be saying, it's okay for me to have hand-stitched leather boots, but you can't turn on the fucking heat. So I'm just going to leave it at that and say they're wrong. Yeah, we need, um, I mean, there's culture in there and there's, you know, I think there's a class uh, element to our society in terms of our understanding of who has what and who has not and that kind of stuff and that kind of undermines politically um, efforts for for redistribution and, and a proper welfare state. And, you know, I hope the, the younger generation, I think, are... are Thanks, Kieran, for that. And thanks for coming on and having this chat. Again, great information. And thank you for putting it into the public arena. Thanks very much. Uh, thanks for having me on. I appreciate it. Really appreciate it. Um, we had a bit of connection problems with the West Bank yesterday morning. And uh, you know, I may have mentioned there was a young man, 16-year-old, shot by the Israeli forces. Um, and we do hope to go back uh, once we can establish a secure connection. There were issues of electricity because, as usual, there was some form of collective punishment with things shut down and, and the rest of it. So we do hope to connect to that soon. And um, our friend Richard Murphy uh, in the UK will be interesting to hear because, obviously, I don't know if, if people have been have been watching but there has been talk finally 
of um, some sort of tax justice becoming a UN issue, and he was involved in you know in one of the just just trans just taxation initiatives nearly seventeen years ago now I believe it was. So it'd be good to get his insights on that. You know, uh, this all all will wash up on the Irish shores eventually. We do we do stand out like a sore thumb, as Kieran said, with the with the level of GDP that we have. All of that hopefully in the next few days. Um, thanks for listening this week. Thanks for the support. Thanks for everybody who's liked and shared and and. Yeah, and for for God's sake, if you can uh, spread the word and tell people to throw us a few quid, we have to keep these these lights on, the mics on, the conversations going. Thanks so much, Karen, and we'll talk to you soon. Take care. Bye bye. Tony and Martin, Martin and Tony, speaking to interesting people only. It's the Echo Chamber podcast. Subscribe now on. Uh-huh.